Podcast City Network. Hey everyone, it's Angelica from A Little Bit of Everything With Me podcast, and you're listening to Mark the Shark MMA Show. This episode is brought to you by Code Story. How does a startup get from the back of a napkin to MVP to exit? Code Story. Code Story brings you in-depth interviews with founders, CTOs, and tech decision makers, digging deep into the vision and critical moments of the people building the next big thing. Hosted by tech entrepreneur Noah Labhart, Code Story is a periodic window into the startup world. In their own words, veterans share what it feels like to disrupt an industry how to recover from critical mistakes, and what it takes to build and lead a team that has your back. Visit them at https codestory.co. Hi everyone, I am your host, Mark the Shark Retorto, and welcome to the Mark the Shark MMA Show, where every week we talk about the wonderful sport of MMA. To me, we will review the most recent and upcoming events in MMA news. In each episode, the format may be changed, but you will always be entertained. There will be special interviews with special guests, along with special insights on the sport from our guest hosts. Also, check out our Facebook page for news and updates on future episodes. Also, we appreciate donations from our listeners to keep our podcast up and running. You can make a donation by clicking on the Click the Support button found at anchor.fm slash Mark the Shark MMA Show. And that's Mark spelled with a C and not a K. We are also looking for guests who want to be on the show and sponsors who want to advertise their product and brand on the show. For more information, contact me on the Mark the Shark MMA Show Facebook page. Page. Also, for a plug-in, if you're looking for a good action thriller suspense novel, check out a book called The Cabal, The Saga Begins. You can find it on both Barnes & Noble and Amazon.com. It is available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobooks format on Amazon.com. and paperback version only on BarnesandNoble.com. And the hardcover version is only available at www.retortofamilybooks.com. For a good book for your kid to read, check out I Am a Survivor or Invisible Girl, written by a little 11-year-old girl by the name of Christina Retorta. She has her books in Kindle and audiobook format and paperback format on Amazon.com and paperback format on both Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. And a hardcover version is only available at www.retortofamilybooks.com. Okay, everyone, keep on listening. We'll be back shortly after this break. Hi everyone. Do you like this podcast? Well, let me tell you about an app called Podcoin that pays you to listen to this podcast and every podcast that the podcast player pays. Just get the Podcoin app on iPhone or Android. It's free and super easy to use. You can use Podcoin to earn, to claim gift cards or donate to charity. It's literally amazing. It turns your podcast listening activity into a charity or if you like, just get some Amazon or Starbucks gift cards. I use the Podcoin app 
to do all my podcast listening now, and I love it. Go get it on the App Store on Android today. Seriously, just go get the Podcorn app and use this invite code called MMA Shell. You'll get 300 Podcorns just for signing up. If you use this code, that's 300 Podcorns just for signing up and using this code MMA Shell. Again, give the Podcorn app a try. All right, guys, we're back on the show. Today, I got Zane back online. Uh, we're going to talk about UFC 241, which takes place this weekend. The main card is uh, Daniel Cormier and Steep, Steep a- Miocic. Oh, Miocic. I always butchered the guy's name. And then you got the co-card, co-main event, Nate Diaz and Anthony Pettis. How are you doing today, Zane? I'm good. I can't wait to talk about Stipe. Uh, I got a feeling that he's going to give him uh, a lot, a lot more trouble this time around. Yeah, I'm trying to remember how did he, how did uh, Cormier win the last time? Did you watch that fight? I, I th- did. It was an, I forget what round it was. Uh, second or third round. I'm not too sure. I just uh, I remember it was a short uppercut, and then it was a. Uh, I, I honestly don't remember if he choked him out, but I think it was a knockout. I think it was a it was a short uppercut to the jaw, and he wobbled him, and then that was it. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think I was around for that fight. So you don't think that Cormier is going to have the advantage then of being no, in the guy's head because he already won already. I, you know that, of course. He's, uh, he's definitely going to have the advantage because he has won already. So it's a little bit of a uh, little bit of uh, insecurity on Stipe. You know, he's going to be you know mindful that he got knocked out. Um, he was probably really ready to wrestle him and to show his wrestling skills, like oh, I'm going to stop Cormier's takedowns or whatever. Which I don't even know if he would really be able to do. But yeah. Uh, you know, I, I honestly just feel that now that Stipe, he's probably uh, even more antsy than he used to be uh, wanting to fight him. And I just think that he's just going to be, man, I got to, you know, make sure I kind of shut him off and move a little bit and use my boxing, uh, you know, a little bit better. Just that Cormier comes in like a tank and he's he's just this, uh, this boulder that you got to try and Stop from steamrolling you. Um, I, I honestly just think that John Jones had um, Daniels, you know, kind of a, he picked him apart and yeah. able to keep him at bay because of his range. So I think that anybody that finds uh, that fights Cormier, they have to have great boxing, which I think that John Jones doesn't have great boxing, but he has great kicks and he has a, a very wide and effective uh, you know, set of skills or uh, attack. So when you fight Daniel Cormier, you got to constantly keep uh, whipping at him. You got to make everything that you throw sting, and you got to move side to side, and you can't stay in front of him. And you know, forget locking up with him. You know, yeah. you're gonna lock up with him. You know, kind of, um, you know, lock up with him with, with a tie clinch and just push off of him. Or you know, don't give him a knee because he'll grab it. Don't don't try and take him down. This is not going to work. And yeah. uh, you know, don't you know, get too close. 
gonna it's gonna be snapping jabs and and hard leg kicks, low calf kicks. I love that calf kick. Yeah. Inventions of that kick has been so effective, and uh, I think it's an easier kick to throw. It's just that some people yeah, are and, and it's it. less risky too because um, I think most people are trained to block a regular leg kick. They don't really see, think that it's actually going to kick them in, in the calf, you know? And I think it's less no. risky for the guy throwing it because he doesn't really have to. I, in my opinion, I don't think he's really got to worry about the guy blocking it. You know, if the guy lifts his leg to block, pretty much you're going to miss the leg. So, you know what I mean? Because the guy's, you're trying to kick the guy in the calf, and if the guy picks his leg up like a traditional leg block, a leg kick block, the leg's no longer there, so then worst case scenario, you just miss. Well, so. You know, as being a karate guy, right, when you go and you throw a kick that low, first of all, you can't you can't kind of grab it and throw it to the side. Like, yeah. just the fight that uh, that Robbie Lawler was, uh, was here. And uh, so many other people, there was a couple of kicks that were thrown, and when, uh, when these side, you know, waist-high kicks to the ribs, are being thrown, sometimes you can move back, grab the heel, and throw it to the side. That's yeah. very difficult to do with a calf kick. And then if you go to block it, like you do with a, with a, with a, uh, what you call it, a leg kick, you know, with a leg kick, you can kind of bend your leg out to the side, and you're not really hitting the, the, uh, the muscle as yeah. you would if you just stayed there. So there's like, because so, if you were to turn to the side, now you're going, you know, you're hitting the shit, so, or, or even, you know, hurting the ankle even worse. Yeah. So I just think that that ankle, that, uh, that calf kick is such an effective kick, and if you think it's going up high and you lift your leg, now you're hitting the other leg in the calf, and you might even get knocked down. Yep. So I just feel that if Miocic can stick and move, use his boxing, mix it up, and hurt that, hurt that lower leg, of Daniel, it'll stop the takedowns, and he might even be able to, uh, you know, eventually knock him down, and then, you know, kind of if he if he even wants to grapple with him. But I would just I would keep it on the feet. I think that his best bet is use his wrestling to defend and stick and move, and just use his boxing and don't get him too close. Yeah, I, and I guess and, and if he does kick, do the uh, calf kick, but. He's got range on Cormier, so I mean, he might be able to use that to his advantage. I mean, I anticipate he's going to come out a little bit more cautious because he got knocked out. It wasn't like the guy beat him on points or by decision. He got knocked out, you know? But what I'm even more excited about, I'm not even really excited about that fight. I mean, yeah, you know, it'd be interesting to see it happen. But I'm more interested in the Nate Diaz and Anthony Pettis fight, you know? I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I like that fight. But unfortunately, I just think it's going to be an early night for Pettis or an easy night for Nate Diaz. I, I think he'll, I think Nate Diaz, you're going to see him at his worst, which is his best probably, where he's going to pick him apart, hurt him, and then all of a sudden he's going to be, you know, typical Nate Diaz, raising his hand, giving the middle finger, sticking his tongue out. Yeah. That's, I think it's going to be an easy night for him, and he can't wait to showboat and, you know, talk trash about how, 
you know, the UFC doesn't give him time or respect, and mm-hmm. you know, he wants to fight this one or that one. Yeah. Now, Pettis won his last fight against uh, Stefan Thompson uh, by knockout in the second round. And uh, Diaz hasn't been in the, in the cage for a while. His last yeah. fight was yeah. in 2016 against McGregor, so there might be a little ring rust there. You know what I, I mean? Think a little, a little bit of ring rust, yeah. But I have a feeling that this is the one thing about the Diaz brothers—they don't care. <laughs> they just don't care. They just love fighting. That—that's you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, it's. It, the thing is, uh, Joe Rogan actually uh, spoke about Conor McGregor. Uh, Gregor. Um, I forget when it was, but I just remember watching a, uh, a YouTube video when he was talking about how some people just guessed. Like, yeah, I actually saw that one too. Yeah, now and he the, said it was genetic, okay. right? I think he was talking well, it, to. Uh, it could be, I he was don't talking to GSP's really coach in that one. I don't think it's really genetic. I, I think that. Some of it is genetics, but not as much as everyone thinks. I think that it really is the, the, the mental aspect and the way you train. Conor McGregor, he comes out so strong, and he usually knocks people out in the first round, or he uh, damages them so much, or he's fighting someone that doesn't have the type of cardio or, um, uh, which one call it, speed, uh, pace that the Diaz brothers are used to. The Diaz brothers, they don't come out like fireflies or, you know, jump in and they come out and they stalk you. They're going to walk you down, walk you down, and they go at a nice, easy, comfortable pace. And in their mind, they're not scared. They're not worried. They're not hyped up. They're in their, they're just relaxed. When you're relaxed, you know, if you're not worried about, you know, going into a jiu-jitsu match against a bunch of white belts, you're relaxed, you're calm. But if you go in against a black belt, you're all hyped up and you're nervous. Yeah. Nervous, that makes you breathe faster. It makes you lose your win. So I think that going in with a Diaz brother, they always have the advantage because they're calm, they're relaxed. And their cardio is insane because that's how they train. They train nonstop. And some people's faces can take more damage than others. We even talked about would you rather get hit in the face or in the or in the body? And I think that a long time ago you even told me I'd rather get hit in the face. Yeah. You just feel like I can absorb it better there. Some yeah. people, like the brothers, they just absorb damage to their face. And they, uh, you know, so all those factors, I give it to Nate Diaz. So you think even if it even goes into the later rounds, actually, I think you're thinking that... <coughs> The later rounds is probably where Nate Diaz will survive, right? I think the Diaz brothers, <laughs> if you're going into the later rounds with the Diaz brothers, you're going to be tired. Yeah. You're going to be a little bit banged up, and that's when they have the advantage because banged up, even a little bit tired if they were. To tell you the truth, Nate Diaz, when he fought Conor McGregor, he did get tired um, <laughs> during that fight. But even him tired, he was still walking him and Conor McGregor was walking away from him. He needed yeah. a break. He needed to rest. I mean, they still went at it back and forth, but um, Nate, you never see Nate or, or Nick uh, have to run away or walk away or jog or move yep. back. They just 
Yeah, he had a short, short a period of time to train for their first match when he beat Connor. And when I'm looking yeah, at Pettis's record, uh, you know, we were naked, so he didn't really have to. You know, he didn't. It was a, it was a, a hardcore fight. But I think it was the second round that he just choked him out, right? Yeah, yeah. Now while I'm looking at Pettis's record. What I'm noticing is interesting is that all the fights that he wins. They're pretty much in the first three rounds. A lot of the ones he lost, you know, particularly if they were five-round fights, they were like if they went longer than three rounds. Like, I'm looking here. He beat, he beat Henderson, Benson Henderson in round one. He beat Ensign Barboza. And Ensign Barboza, he lost at the end of the third round because that was probably a three regular three-round fight. But uh, he beat Charles Oliveira in round three. He he uh, lost to Max Holloway in round three. He won against Jim Miller in round three. But then if you go to his last couple of matches, he won in the second round. So this fight is not for a title contention fight. So it's only going to be three for three rounds. Yeah, but there's no doubt that Nate is, even though he's a difficult... He's uh, very awkward to fight. So is Pettis with those kicks. No, 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 no. No, what I'm saying is, Nate, they don't want Nate to be the poster boy yeah. for the championship. They don't want him to be. And he knows that. He and he doesn't like it because, you know, it, it, it takes him away. But he knows he's not right, you know... Yeah. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. All right, doing two different interviews? No, uh, what I'm trying to say is that they, he knows that they don't want him to be the poster boy. They don't want him to be the champion. Yeah. And I honestly don't know if he would be able to take, um, you know, the 145-pound uh, pound champ right now or the 150-pound champ right now. Mm. I don't know if he'd be able to take Holloway or Khabib. Um, it would be a great fight, but the thing is, uh, the one thing that Holloway has is that height and that length, and that's why Pettis had trouble with him. Plus, he had great cardio and he yeah. had great jab. He had so anybody that I think Pettis fights who is a great boxer and who uses the, their length to their advantage, um, and who has great cardio, you know, anybody's gonna have trouble with him. But I think that that's the key. For Pettis, you know, being able to keep him at bay, great jab, constant pressure, cut off the ring, take away his kicks by by keeping the pressure and closing the distance. And Holloway, I don't know if he's a great jiu-jitsu guy. I haven't really seen it too much of his jiu-jitsu game, yeah. but he's able to uh, resist uh, jiu-jitsu guys. So, you yeah. know, as as what he did to uh, what's his name, Ortega. Yeah. So I just got a feeling that Nate is going to, even if he's a little bit out of shape, didn't have the longest camp, he's going to be able to walk him down, close the distance, keep his jab. And he's always, and Nate, the Diaz brothers are always at least one hand away from getting hit with a punch because they can jab and touch you, but you can't jab and touch them. Yeah. So it's just a, you know, so he's always putting his hand out there and he leaves it out there, and he paws it, and he knows, like, well, if I just keep doing this, you're not going to hit me because you're too far away. So I, I think that they get away with that a lot. 
Yeah. And I, I, I think the uh, Pettis will try to keep it standing. I don't think he wants to go to the ground with Diaz because they got, you know, he's got unbelievable jiu-jitsu. But yeah, I'm dying to see this matchup this weekend. So we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, if anybody wants to uh, hit us, hit me up on the Anchor app. You know, you go to anchor.fm slash show. You can leave me a message and I can add the uh, your comments to the next podcast episode as to who you think would actually win between in, between the main event and the co-main event in UFC 241. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this matchup. And that's pretty much it, guys. We'll be back after this short break. Good day, everybody. This is Dan Young with Total Wellness Radio, and you are tuned into the Mark the Shark MMA Show. Hi, everyone. This is Mark the Shark with Total. Sending a message to all the fans out there. If you enjoy this podcast, please help support it by making a small donation. It could be anywhere from a dollar, four ninety nine, or nine ninety nine. It could even be a monthly donation. Any amount is appreciated. To donate to this money to this podcast, go to www.marktheshark.mmshow.com. Again, that's www.marktheshark.mmshow.com. All right, guys, we're back on the show. Today, we got a very special guest. Today, we have Julius Angelicus. Angelicus, yeah. How are you doing today, man? Good. Good. Had some good training today, so um, feeling a little tired, but it was good. Eh, eh, you're on the show. We'll, we'll, we'll get it rolling. Get your second yeah. win, right? Yeah. <laughs> So tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Like, how did you get into the sport of MMA? Uh, I think it was just more like a natural thing after wrestling. Like, I wrestled um, in high school. Um, I did some traditional martial arts while in high school. And uh, when I um, started wrestling in college and, like, the wrestling season somewhat started, like, coming towards the end, it's like already you start thinking, okay, like, what should I do next? Because it's like – you it almost feel like you would be empty without that competitive thing. Um, like wrestling was for so long and it's like, it's like, you can't just stop. Like something else needs to happen. So I just figured like, okay, I feel doing MMA and fighting would be like next step up. That would be like, I guess, cool. I would say mm. like part of me says cool, but at the next part, it's like, it's kind of also what you need to do that competitive nature. So, but I found a gym when I um, transferred to St. Louis for wrestling. That's where I met uh, um, Al Oskilich. He um, um, he used to fight for UFC. Okay. And uh, I think he was, or I think if I'm not mistaken, he was like for a first Turkish fighter or something. So he was uh, my grad assistant at uh, at college for wrestling, and uh, he like introduced me to Mike Rogers, who's my coach. And uh, but I couldn't. I couldn't go to the gym often at that moment because I didn't have a car. I was still doing my undergrad, so I was like busy, busy, busy. So the second I uh, I transferred to Lindenwood to get my master's, I had a little more free time. I had a car, so um, 
I was just available, just to, had no excuse not to do it. I had time, I had a car, so every day from then on, I was just training, training. Now, were you, when you were doing undergrad, did you compete at all in MMA? Not in fighting, no, no, I was just uh, wrestling. When I did undergrad, I was busy with school, I had like, I was stacked with credits and uh, wrestling, so it was just, plus I had no car, so I was just like, okay, go to class, go to practice, that's it, and uh, I just didn't have that flexibility as much as when I did my master's. So yeah, I just kind of had to like, just wait. Oh, okay. Now you said you got your master's degree now? Yeah, I got a master's in a teaching PE. Oh, okay. For the longest time I thought I was gonna uh, teach physical education. Okay. Uh, but I kind of realized that like, the more I was trying to get to get my degree, the more burnt out I started to get. So like, I really think like I kind of burnt out, like I had a passion I was like, oh, this is gonna be a great job. I'm gonna do this, this and that, get and stay involved with sports, teach kids, be a good example. And uh, just, yeah, just going through the school, it just kind of burnt out. And it was funny because I started seeing uh, some of my friends who did not go through all the classes or through all the struggle, but somehow they got hooked up and they became teachers. It's like, really? well, yeah, how did you get this job? Like I did twice as more work than you did. So they went through some kind of little loopholes or something, and uh, but it's all good. I think uh, um, if I would have became a teacher, I would not have been able to do what I do now. Mm. So um, I think it worked out for the best that I did not become a teacher. But at the same time, I mean, it's a nice degree to have, and it's something always I can like fall back on. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a smart move. You gotta think of uh, the future. You know, like when you're yeah. old. I won't fight forever, so. <laughs> Gotta have something to fall back on. Yeah. So when did you, uh, so you, you went to grad school and then you started training more. When did you start doing uh, amateur fights? When I started training, I think I had my first amateur fight uh, three months later, I believe. Okay. Yeah, I think I started like training like around uh, late August. Then I trained the rest of the August, September, October. And uh, I remember my first um, amateur fight was either November or December. Okay. So maybe like three, four months of training. And then I had uh, my first uh, amateur fight. That was MMA. And uh, since I wasn't getting hurt or anything else, I was um, just racking fights, especially in amateur. Uh, since you're new, people don't know much about you. You can just consistently fight, 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 fight. So within uh, six months, or like when I had my first fight, six months after that, within that six month period, I had the 13 fights. That's MMA and boxing included. Oh, wow. Okay. So, was, so like uh, within that first, I think after the first MMA fight, I had a, I might've had a, a Golden Gloves, not a Golden Gloves, so I won that. Those were my first boxing fights. Then I had a, uh, open Golden Gloves, and I think it was like another MMA fight, another boxing fight, um, then kickboxing fight, then it was this MMA tournament, then another boxing fight, another MMA fight, and then no fights for a few months, and then it was just like, all right, like this just stopped. So I think it's a good, a good time to go pro. Uh -huh. Now, what's your record now as pro? Six and one, I think. So six and one right now. Yep. One, yeah. Now, when was your last fight? Is it 
did you win like some title or something? I think I saw. Something. Yeah, uh, my last fight was uh, February. Uh, what was it? Fifteenth, I think, or something. Uh, yeah, it was the LFA title. Uh, so that was on Access TV. So that's my like biggest accomplishment right now because LFA is a really big deal. And this whole year so far has been successful because uh, I did not fight for a year and a half because of injuries. Okay. And I couldn't find fights. So for the longest time, I was like, this sucks. This is horrible. This is not even my home because I'm from New York originally. So like St. Louis is not even my home. Uh, my parents kind of like keep whispering like, you probably should stop this. So it's like I continuously had these things in the back of my head. Uh, for example, I had to have a fight. I waited towards the fight. Four weeks until then, boom, meniscus injury. Had to get a surgery. All right, I come back from that. Okay, that had to be in May. Then in July, I had another fight uh, scheduled. Month before that, rib injury. Had to back oh, out from geez. that. And for that... Then we were like hoping like more fights in September. That did not happen. Fights in December. That did not happen. Uh, they just couldn't find opponents for me. My my record was still small, so they didn't. I guess promoters didn't care too much to put like somebody for me. Uh, and uh, so yeah, for a year and a half, I either had injuries or just no fights. So that was like mental frustration it's like you're on the verge of like giving up and stop doing this but everybody will like just your turn will come your turn will come your turn will come this is exactly how it goes your turn will come just keep going and i remember when was this a year ago uh april may around may uh, i had a one week uh notice boxing fight okay uh so my striking coach was like, do it. You're going to beat this guy. Like, plus you need it. There is no way this guy can beat you. The guy had like 50 fights, 50 pro fights. Oh, but, shit. yeah, but um, he had more like losses than uh, wins. Okay. Which, which still kind of means like, okay, he's been there as a pro for a long time. So he still has like a lot of tricks up his sleeve. But for the most part, it was... It wasn't bad at all. I was kind of like surprised how easy it was that I kind of blame myself for not even trying more things in the fight. It's oh. like I just came and I was just like jam, jam was just like snapping his head back, one, two, one, two. And I was like, wow, this one, twos works so easily. And uh, so after that, it's like, okay, I'm back in the game. I had like, okay, first fight again from like a year and a half. Then I had the, uh, LFA fight on like maybe six or eight weeks notice. Okay. So I won that. That was my first LFA. And for me, that was the biggest deal because it was on Access TV. So I was on the TV okay. for the first time. Uh, so that was in like uh, May or June, June 8th, I believe. That was June 8th. Then I fought in uh, October or late September, early October. Then I fought again in December. And then I had uh, the LFA fight in. Um, uh, February. So I had a one, two, boxing fight, LFA, Nebraska, St. Louis, and then back to Iowa. So within one year, I had five fights. So from not fighting for a year and a half, I went back and I had a five fights in one year. So and that last one was you won the belt, though, right? Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. 
So it was complete a big turn. What was that? What's what's your immediate plans now in the future? You got anything like big coming up? Yes. Um, so right now I have a I'm at the contender series. UFC contender series, yeah. Yep. So that's a big deal right now. So now that now that's the biggest deal right now. Uh, I was supposed to fight uh, July second. Okay. But um, I think that's International Fight Week or something. They have like yes. big fights that weekend. Yeah. So I guess it was just too much to deal with. So um, uh, they pushed me in August. I don't think I can say a date yet. I'm not okay. sure how many of those contender series are, but uh, um, yeah, they pushed me in August. Um, I'm not sure if there is already mentioned in any articles or whatever, but um, so yeah, I'm not gonna, can't give a clear date just yet. I know, but I just can't like announce it just yet. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's the, that's the biggest thing right now. And um, I'm fighting a pretty tough guy who, same record as me okay and uh, he lost to the same guy that i lost to so that's interesting oh that is pretty interesting yeah that's pretty interesting so yeah i just started watching that ufc contender series it was like because i I just got the uh espn plus description i think before it was on ufc fight pass so how does that work do they go to different parts of the u.s and then they have like the because for me on TV, it looked like it was one event and they had that new building that they have. So when your time comes, you're going to be going to them, not them coming to you, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll be in Vegas. So what happened past two summers, what I believe um, all the fights took place in, you know, Ultimate Fighter, the show. Yeah. Okay. So all the fights, all the fights took place at that exact the same gym. Okay. So yeah, so it was uh, barely any spectators. It's like you get few tickets and like family and friends come in. So it's like just a handful of spectators. And um, whenever I went to Vegas to do the promo for, for this season, uh, I spoke to one of the guys who fought at the previous seasons. And he said like, yeah, dude, it's like the craziest thing ever. You don't even see your opponent until the day you fight or something like that. And no entrance music, no nothing. They walk you out, they walk you out, your opponent, you ready, you ready, fight, fight is over, leave. Next people come in, you're ready, you're ready, fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Dana makes the decision based on your performance. Yeah. And, and this summer, it's a different location because I guess from what I heard, they did not like the previous one. Uh, so, and plus they build this like big facility um, specifically for that. So, um, yeah, I guess like for past few weeks, that was like the first time they used that location. So, but it's still going to be not too many spectators. It's like very small. And I think it's like five fights per Tuesday, like every Tuesday, it's like five fights. So it's not even a long show. I guess they just want to get in, get out, make decisions and move on. Yeah. Yeah. It's so pretty, it's, pretty interesting. Yeah. Now you said you were from New York. What part of New York? Um, Southampton. Where, where is it? Southampton. Oh, Long Island. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's not far from me. I'm in Jersey, so okay. It'll take me a while with traffic, but because that Long Island Express has always got tons of traffic. Yeah. <laughs> it's not not, not yeah, too right. too far. Yeah. So yeah, I've been in St. Louis for like, all right, I've been training for like almost five years, and um, went to Mobile for another three before that. So yeah. Oh snap. Yeah, I've been I've been here for for a while now, for like what, seven, eight years. But I mean, I always go back to New York to like visit my family because everybody's still there. 
Um, so yeah, I'm actually going to go to New York on um, on um, July 20th for four days, okay. two full days, but like, yeah, two full days and uh, I'll be back and uh, I'll go back again there right after the fight just to chill out and probably hopefully won't have to like heal up or anything, but just go back just to visit. I always try to go back like after the fights or holidays. Okay. Now, what's your fighting style? Are you more like a ground and pound type of guy? Because you get your wrestling background, but then you get that boxing edge. You seem to be pretty apt at it. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird. I would say it's up in the air right now. I don't even know. Uh, a lot of people said like, oh, you will use your wrestling. I guess I'm like 50-50. Um, for like past few fights, people and announcers named me as a more of a striker just okay. because of like the... Um, I guess it sounds better. Okay. Uh, and uh, plus, um, because of the, all the golden gloves, they kind of use that, like, oh, he's a striker, da-da-da. Uh, and even my last fight, they um, they pushed me more as a striker, and they pushed me pushed my opponent more as a grappler. Because my uh, my opponent, he his most wins were by submission. Okay. Uh, but I ended up submitting him. So that was kind of like, him? huh? How did you submit him? Uh, rare naked. It wasn't like clean rare naked. It's like I was trying to get it, but then I couldn't sneak the arm behind his head. So I just okay. kind of pretty much avoided what the Khabib did to a McGregor, but uh, yeah. the hand was like under the under the jaw. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Now, now that you're in the pro circuit now, is there any particular fighters that you, like let's say you get into the UFC, you know, God willing. Um, is there anybody out there in the UFC that, you, mm, he's in the UFC, but I think I can beat him. Is there anybody out there in your division? Because you're in light heavyweight, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is there anybody out there that you think you could kind of like, yeah, that'd be a good introduction fight for me? Uh, I haven't looked into that. I think few people asked me that, but. Honestly, I never even looked in too deeply in a 205 roster. It sounds weird. It's like, why didn't you look at these people? These are your people that you're going to be fighting. This is your job. So it's like, I never really looked into it. Like, sure, like I know all like the bigger names that they push. Uh, and like few people from under, but I never really looked in. I was just like more worried about like what I need to do. Mm. It's like, okay, no, I just focus on myself. Just do what I need to do. And that should work versus everybody because you're like practicing what works versus everybody, like the the main basic things. Um, but I mean, since you say it, it's, uh, it definitely would be a smarter thing to like look in who's there and uh, get familiar with everybody. I mean, you have to, yeah. <laughs> yourself dude yeah when you get in there you gotta like call some people out call some people out talk some smack you seem like like a calm calm guy but uh which is good there's nothing wrong with it some guys you know like dan henderson randy couture they let their fights do the talking for me now i actually admire guys more like that than the guys that talk a lot of smack personally you know yeah i hate the smack talk and like the silence before the fight like, I was so happy me and my opponent spoke before my last fight. Well, 
last few fights, me and my opponent spoke, um, and like I like that breaking the ice thing. It's like it's no secret. Like, like we're gonna try to punch each other in the face. Like, I'll try to kill you. I'll try to kill me. But we kind of established that when we signed the contract. But let's just crack jokes. Let's just be funny all the way until then, because I hate the stress. Like I hate the all the tension. So it was funny before my last fight. Um, me and my opponent, we had to do like um, sit in the chair and do like a few interviews, just kind of like talk brief history or whatever. So I went first, and uh, my striking coach was talking to their coaches, and they were like laughing and giggling. And uh, then I went to sit with them, and uh, my opponent did the interview. So like it was me, my coach, and my opponent's coach. Well, we're just like sitting in a circle and just laughing, having great time. Um, I just, I just before your match or after the match? Uh, day before the match. Really? Okay. Because I hate the tension. It's good. It's, it's like, because people think like, oh, you, you should, can't be nice to him. Da da da. It's like, that doesn't matter. It's not gonna change of how you fight. Like, we both professionals. We both gonna try to win, and we both know it. So it's not like I'm tricking you into like, oh, I'm such a nice guy. I'm not gonna fight you so hard. No, like. We're just delaying that stressful process at the end of like when it's need to get when it needs to uh, get going. But all until then, let's not get stressy. Let's just have fun uh, before the fight. Let's get serious and we'll go to work. But I don't want to like talk this, talk that, and get yourself all worked up. Yeah. Well, no. No. <laughs> well, before I forget, huh? before I forget, not for you, but. Anybody watching this, when this goes on YouTube, this is just the uh, first half of the episode. So the rest of it, you guys got to watch the whole podcast. But anyway, we're going to continue with our conversation. Keep going. I just want to throw that out there because people okay. think you're going to watch this whole thing and not go to my podcast. This is yeah. to promote you because, uh, you know, I'm like, I, I kind of heard about you before. I'm like, oh, this guy is going to be on a contender series. I'm like, all right, let me see if I can help him get his career going. Come on, this this is just going to be on YouTube and on the podcast. So this is awesome. But uh, so continue what you were saying. Like you don't like the tension before a fight. Yeah, Which I can't is kind help of it. Interesting, because I just interviewed another guy. He was like, "Nah, man, I'm like Nate Diaz. Before I fight, man, I gotta have it in my head. I gotta hate this guy." And I find that interesting. Like some people before like, the fight, yes. Before the fight, yes. I'm like, do you? have to build up some animosity towards the guy before you can get in the ring with him or, or what? I mean, I'm, it's you, it's like you seem like, ah, you know, we're just going to business. We're just here to, it's a competition. We're going to beat the shit out of each other. But there's no reason. Yeah. But when you do these conversations, do you talk him on the cell phone or you just hit him up on Facebook? Like, what do you do? No, uh, none of that. It was more of a, um, if we do happen to meet each other, like during the weigh-ins, Okay. For example, my last fight, me and him had to do a little bit more interview things. So we kind of had to stay behind the, at the weigh-ins when everyone else left. We just had to stay and do a little bit more interview. So we just kind of were just like alone in a room. So it's just like, all right, I'll start talking. <laughs> um, so yeah, but like, yeah, you, you, you just make the switch before the fight. Like, 
like the day of the fight, it's like stress. You're freaking out. You want to throw up. You you know, well, yeah. don't even want to fight. You like want to escape. But uh, like about like half an hour before the fight, you like starting to make that switch. And like 15 minutes before the fight, it's like um, it's it's almost like you forced not to think about anything else but to get your mind right just because it's like so close so it's like automatically just like it makes that switch um, to like get serious my few times it was um in my first lfa fight it was weird it was uh i did not even feel like i was gonna fight it was hour before the fight and i'm just chilling everyone's laughing around me i'm like laughing with them i'm like it doesn't feel like i'm gonna fight like it just i'm not nervous i'm not nothing like five minutes before the fight i'm like i'm just hanging out i did my work i'm like this is weird like i'm not stressing out at all like i'm calm as like i am right now like when i got into the ring i'm like looking at him i'm pacing back and forth like i'm looking like i'm like tense i'm like focused which i was trying to be but i was like i was so surprised that my mind was like wandering places that I was like even like thinking what I'm gonna eat that night, what movies I'll watch, and like the most random things I was just thinking that had nothing to do with fighting whatsoever. And I was like, that kind of almost was like making me freak out because I was like, I'm not focused. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. At the same time, I performed very, very, very well because it became almost like a sparring match. Like I had answers to everything and I was in control of everything instead of like kill and just go forward and just go, 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 go. So because my mind was just like as calm as right now, I could like give whatever answer calmly, like whatever answer to whatever question you have. Yeah. So I can just like do everything correct and without mistakes yeah. instead of just like go to war. And just like stuff is just flying out of the window. So that kind of helped. Sometimes that's good, though. There's actually a term for that. Let's forget what that's called, like in the, in the realm of martial arts, where your, your mind is just empty, you know? Yeah. But and that you, one, like this one, it, was, it wasn't empty. It was like, uh, I was like literally surprised of how easily my mind can wander off to like different topics. And like, I'm in the cage, like staring at him and like my mind is thinking. And because I caught myself thinking about more random things, it started like snowballing. Like it, it just, I just like, I started like freaking out because I, the more I started thinking about random, the more and the more, the more I started thinking about random and the more my mind was drifting away from the fighting, which kind of made it even easier to deal with the fight. Mm. It doesn't make sense, but it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. And what was the outcome of that fight? I submitted him in the third. Ah, nice. Was that the rear naked again? or? That was rear naked. Yeah, that was versus uh, Eric Murray. He, uh, he was three and one at the moment. I was two on one at the moment. So after that fight, we both had exactly the same record, three on one. <laughs> so now, yeah, it was good. Yeah. Now, in, in like in a UFC or whatever organization you look at, like, is there any like fighters that you like always like to watch? You know, it was always in your division or whatever. 
it was always different. I remember when I first started uh, watching, like within time, like within like every six months or every year, uh, thing like I picked on like new person. I remember when I first started watching on YouTube, it was mainly Diaz brothers. Okay. Especially Nick, like uh, he was the guy I used to like watch, watch, watch all the time. Uh, then for the longest time, it was uh, Chris Liebman or uh, Thiago Silva. Um, I'm very happy um, Chris Liebman is back to the bare knuckle because like when, I, when I he retired from, somebody about that, yeah. Yeah, when he retired from UFC, I was like, oh man, like, like I was like heartbroken and now he's back. I was like, yeah. And it's <laughs> funny, uh, in college at MOBAP, where I did my undergrad, when I, where I finished my undergrad, there was this one guy who looked exactly like Chris Lieben. He, he was in my class. I came out and was like, you look like Chris Lieben. He's like, that's the best thing anyone has ever told me. <laughs> and like, apparently no one told him that. And I was like, dude, you look like Chris Lieben. And apparently eh, Chris Lieben was his uh, favorite fighter too. So it was just like funny, most like a random thing. And he, he looked like him and he, he was his favorite fighter. So. So yeah, it was Chris leaving Thiago Silva then for like a while was uh, McGregor. Uh, but then like towards the end, the more talking he did, I guess like the more tired I got of it. Mm. And uh, Brian, then like Cerrone was for a little bit. Uh, and now he's just kind of left and right, a little bit of, little bit of everybody. But as right now, I don't have like a specific guy. Mm. What do you think of the upcoming uh, John Jones fight? And Santos, who you think he's going to take it again? or I think it's just like he has that like um, he's like how to explain it. Like I feel he's going to win. I feel he's going to pull it off. He has that weird um, how should I say it? He does everything basic. I mean, but that the basic moves, but they like to like higher understanding. Um, so he does the basic stuff and he like makes you forget about something. And then he just like commits to that thing that you forgot about it. That happened like the previous round, for example, how he just fought Gustafson. They both kind of went back and forth. Like John kind of feel like had like better of him on the feet. And he kind of did like few like, takedown attempts but in whatever round the day it was finished he actually like committed that uh, takedown so yeah. he, almost, he got into like Gustafson in the head that like Gustafson can stuff them and then he actually surprised them surprised them with like actual legitimate takedown so I feel like he like goes from like thing to thing it's like he makes people forget about thing that he just did previously and then he just like surprises him like in the later round because it's not like he like knocks people out with like one punch he just like picks them apart yeah little by little and then he catches with that one thing that people like forgot about it that like happened like in the previous round or something because he doesn't throw that same thing over and over and over again he like does one thing and then he does something completely off then he goes back to his like one twos then he does some another trick and then he like he's not gonna do that specific trick for like a round or two and then he like 
really commit that trick like later. So it's it's weird. It's like very um, what's the word? I'll just use word smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got an excellent sense of uh, distance. Yeah, know, like you know, because you got to be able to control the fight, control the distance. He's yeah. Fight long, close the distance when he needs to. Yeah, I actually like his those. Yeah, I like his uh, those uh, those leg check things that he does. Yeah. Actually, today today I watched uh, him versus Gustafson, so I was like, oh, I'm gonna like, yeah. actually watch it. What happens? And he was like throwing those a lot, and I was like, damn, I should like throw those in my game because. And you know what's surprising? He does that so often, and I think the only other person that does that occasionally is Holly Holmes, right? Think about it. How many guys do you see throwing that type of kick? I mean, the old days of the UFC, they used to throw the uh, what's his name? Um, uh, like in the old, I'm talking like way, way back with Hoist. The guy that fought the sumo guy, he used to kick a lot to the knees too. I just can't think of the uh, acne, long haired guy, big, thick guy. Back in the days when they had in the weight divisions. But think about it. John Jones does that same freaking kick. In every single fight, and no one else seems to do it to anybody else, right? Now, yeah. here's an interesting question for you, right? Now, you get into the UFC, right? God willing, right? You get you do well in the contender series. He's in your division. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I mean, obviously, you got a while to go, right? Yeah. You got to yourself. You got to make a name for yourself in UFC. Well, let's say you get there. Right, year and a year from now, two years from now, he's still he's still in two hundred five. How would you fight him? That's an interesting question for you. What would you do against that specific technique? No, yeah. against John Jones in general. Like how how would you fight him? Saying like you know, knowing what you know now, like what what aspect would you bring to the game to see if you could beat him? You think you wrestle him more? You think you would box him more? I think by that time, um, within the few years, it's not like I'm gonna develop a different style. I think it's just what I'm gonna, what I'm doing, what I'm focusing on. That is just gonna become better because we're not trying to like throw flashy kicks or anything or do anything crazy. It's just like I'm still trying to like make my jabs better. I'm trying to like make my one twos better, my twos better. It's not like I'm focusing on some kind of crazy faint something something beautiful magical because uh, for example like best boxers when you look at it they're not looking they're not doing anything crazy that we haven't seen it's just their jab or their cross is just that much better it's not like they like doing a new move like i'm throwing one twos and the best boxer is throwing one twos but how is why are they connecting better? Well, I guess I should say I would, I would rather compare with like wrestling if uh, people understand the better. For example, if you take high school wrestler, he shoots the double, great. You take a college wrestler, he shoots the double, great. Uh, then you take a uh, Olympian, for example, uh, John Burroughs, what's his name? Yeah. Yeah. Like his main thing is double. It's like, okay, all three people shoot doubles and they somewhat look the same, but how in the world uh, that Olympian is just like off, like 
way, 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 way better than anyone else, even though like from the outside, it somewhat looks the same. It's just that like understanding of it and that like perfection of that millimeter and timing and like recognizing like how far your opponent is and like that little body language. So it's not like he did any different move. No, he does the same double leg as in like high school kids do. Like he, yeah. it's, a same move. it's a double leg, but he just has this like such a higher, higher understanding. So I feel like that would be like the same thing with my style. It's like, I don't try to find different moves. I just try to get my boxing to better understanding, my kid boxing to better understanding and uh, my grappling too. So it's not like you would see something flash or crazy you would see very basic thing, but it would just get get to people somehow better. So I feel I would just I feel I would fight John Jones the way I do now. It just by that time, whatever I do, it would just be better. Yeah, it would just, it would just, just have be better, better technique by the time. Yeah, we just have a better understanding. By the time you met you met up in the ring, I mean the cage. Yeah. That's that's actually a good answer. That shows your education there, man. <laughs> That's why I went to college. It's paying off, right? Yeah. yeah. So you're you're a thinking fighter. That's that's good. That's good. Now, before you got into your first like boxing, uh, Golden Gloves match, how long were you boxing for? Like, did you box like in high school or? No, just- I mean we did we did the like back in my traditional martial arts school, like we did the. Um, some boxing, like okay. it wasn't like, like there, there wasn't like too much like a food for thought of how to fight within the boxing. It was mainly just uh, here's the combo, throw it as hard as you can. Okay. So uh, it kind of helped me develop like the power, um, and just like it gave me that like the basic, um, the basic. But once I started like to. Uh, uh, train MMA and like actually went to like to the gym where people fight. I started like I used it, so it gave me that uh, good base. But uh, I started like able to understand of exactly when I use it because it was weird. It's like doing mitts and all that. It's like oh, I'm so fast, I'm so strong, da da da. But the second I had to go spar somebody who like understands the movement and distance, all the years of boxing at the karate place meant literally nothing i yeah, couldn't it's a lot different when you get in there with a ring when someone knows what they're doing right i couldn't hit nobody i couldn't move yeah everything flew out of the window so like so i still don't throw it away what i did because like it gave me like a nice good uh, solid um base of like a uh, structure of like the body positioning yeah. But, but like once I started really training, then it's just like I started like polishing it and like using that with actual experience with like people in front of me and moving and when do I need to throw things. Um, so yeah, um, so that was my like first boxing training. But uh, when I came to MMA, like it was just pretty much just, all right, go ahead and polish it. So we sparred every weekend, um, added drills, learned from other fighters. And uh, the novice Golden Gloves was my first boxing fight. Um, so my pretty much my game plan was just keep everything just stiff and just lock it out. So um, I was just throwing stiff one two, just pop, 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 snapping head back, 
throwing like short snappy hooks and uh, finished in the first round um the final the final of Navis was actually harder than final of open really yeah cuz um the final of Navis i remember the guy was 4 and 0 at the time with all four finishes and uh it was a funny story actually uh, so i fought monday I had a buy on Wednesday and fights would have been on Friday. The finals would have been on Friday. So Wednesday had a buy. So I was like, okay, I'm going to watch uh, those two guys fight and the winner I'll have, um, it'll be in the finals with me. So I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. Okay, two hours go by. I'm watching fight after fight. It's like, okay, I see one heavyweight warming up. I see other heavyweight. Okay, they're about to go. Okay, I don't see that other heavyweight one of the fighters just left like 10 minutes before the fight started. They like found him walking home or like something because he like heard that, that the guy had like four knockouts. He was like four no. So like, and he like other guy was pretty big too, but he was just like, F this I'm done. And I can understand it because maybe it was his first fight too. So he was just like, this is not worth it. Like, I was like, wow, okay, I waited all this time and uh, I didn't get to see like how my opponent fights. So Friday when we fought, like both of us just came in like guns blazing. We were just swinging left and right and my lungs were dying. Like I probably wasn't breathing. I was like just swinging and uh, I was dead tired and I was like, okay, I know the word that I print. If I'm dying, he's definitely dying. So I just kept coming after him, kept coming after him, and then, yeah, finished him in the first round. <laughs> so within, <laughs> wow. within the first round, our gas tank was just done. But we were like, still just throwing as hard as we could. And uh, what happened with the open, the guy was just uh, more experienced, so he was more patient. Well, the first guy, he was young, hungry, like murder everybody, just go in and throw hate. While the open guy, he had more fights, so he was just standing and he was just like peppering and not going to kill. Mm. So um, I finished him in second round. <laughs> <laughs> You're a beast, man. He's <laughs> knocking people out. Crazy, crazy. Now, it's kind of interesting, though. I think you're like the second person that met, like they come from a very strong wrestling background. And then they never had the, all those years of grappling, and then all of a sudden they start boxing, and it just they just take off. I'm wondering if if it's the mechanics, like somehow you build up like some kind of unique strength through wrestling that it transfers into the punches you guys throw. For and, me, for me, it was more like a new shiny toy. It was almost like I did so much wrestling that it's just like striking. Oh, new thing. <laughs> Let's do it. So. I think I was like more excited about striking than grappling, even though like, yeah, I still train grappling, but I was like striking less away in my mind. I was like, okay, I wrestle for all this time. I need to spark up my striking because I have no idea how to do it. Plus I was a little bit more excited about it too. So I think my old mind was just about like hit, 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 hit. Right now I'm back to 50, 50. Oh, and you're training. It, not, not training, but like in the fight itself. Right now, like I feel I'm like back to 50-50. And if people ask you grappler or striker, it's like right now I wouldn't know. Like right now, everybody's tough. 
it's not damage or no more. You, you can just like strike with everybody or grapple with everybody. So right now it's literally anything can happen. So you better be liking both of the things because you'll have to do it. So I kind of made a deal with myself. It's like, okay, you better like both things, striking and grappling because yeah, everyone's good. You don't know who you're going to run into and you'll definitely need to do both in the same fight. So it's no more amateur thing. <laughs> so how are you supporting yourself now? Are you do you have sponsors or you work and then you do this as well or? Uh, so uh, what happened um, for the last three years, I think, after I left, well, I had some money saved up. Okay. And uh, when I finished college, I was working at the Mandarin Lounge, which was um, a club in St. Louis. Okay. Pretty much my whole team has worked there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, so I, I did that, but I was like, I was glad that I was say, had some money saved up because I, I was losing money especially during a time when I had no fights. So I was like working on the weekends, plus having some clients on the side, just training them. And uh, this past year, those fights helped me. And uh, in January, my job closed up. So I was like, wow, okay, I don't know what to do. But the, I won the LFA title. And uh, yeah, I picked up a few, uh, few extra sponsors that like helped me monthly um and both of them are from uh, the hamptons uh <laughs> one one is uh hill street boxing okay there you go hill, hill street boxing. boxing yeah so uh, they are a boxing gym um in southampton and uh so they helped me a lot they helped me with the bills and also uh, uh manto Kaisti. and i don't know if you heard of it um so yeah so they also helping me uh okay. with my bills a little bit here and here so it's like this is the first time where it's like, wow, like I actually, I got to the point where it's like people helping me while before it's like, okay, you fight this, you fight that, no big deal. But now it's like, you won a LFA title. Okay, that's awesome. Now you might be in UFC. So now it's like, you start to have like all these people who like support you and see potential. While before that, it's like, yeah, you have potential, but it's like, there was like a few questions. Are you going to keep going? Are you going to make it? Because a lot of people either stop or they don't make it. Mm. So for me, since they um, saw that I can do it, plus um, um, they were within the circle of friends. So they believed in me. They knew me. Um, so yeah, now they, they're helping me. And it's a, it's a big, big help. It like really helps me to concentrate on just fighting and not looking for jobs here and there because a, I really decided to do this um, the correct way because okay. a lot of people like they go on the parties on the weekends, they still drink, they do this, they don't rest enough. Me, it's like I wake up, I go train, I go home, I eat, I take a nap, wake up, go train, go home, cook, go to bed. Mm. Like I don't, I don't go out, I don't do nothing. The second like I get to opportunity, take a nap, take a nap. Mm. The, sec like, the second I can cook, meal prep so it's um i feel like i'm taking it serious and i feel that got noticed because if uh if i would be like somewhat training but then going on the, the party on the weekends it would raise a question is this guy even like serious like he should be resting like he's talking all big game that he's gonna make it his this and that but 
you should be resting right now while you're out there drinking or partying. Go to bed. You have a crazy workout tomorrow morning. So, so yeah, my, my life, it's uh, pretty simple and uh, steady. Wake up, train, cook, eat, sleep, wake up, go train, cook again. Important lifestyle. Yeah, it's just, yeah, so um, that, that's what you got to do to make it. And um, I haven't made it yet, but it's like everybody says, my coach is my striking coach. They're big mentors, and they like, keep doing what you're doing, keep doing what you're doing. Like, because before when I did not have success or when I didn't have fights, they were just like, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing the right thing. It'll come. Just keep doing what you're doing. It'll come. Your time will come. So now it's like, I see like, okay, LFA title. And then it's like, okay, like contender series. So it kind of gave me that sense that it's, uh, it's true. Like your time will come as long as you're consistent with, with uh, doing the right thing. And just don't stop. The time will come. The time will come. You'll have opportunity. Use it. Then another another one will come. Then another one will come. So it's just consistent on doing the right thing and not getting off track and uh, starting to do like freaking cocaine in clubs and having everything fall apart. <laughs> exactly. So how did it work with the contender series? Was someone from the UFC watching your last fight? Or did you, like, how does that work? Um, the LFA title is uh, like one of the bigger titles out there and it's like if you win LFA title you pretty much everybody who wins LFA title are very very likely to get like called on UFC okay uh, but I guess right now it's um, they decided to create that contender series, almost like a tryout for UFC. Okay. So, um, so I'm sure like my, my manager made some calls and uh, he made sure like, yo, I got this LFA champion, uh, either put him on UFC or a contender series. So I guess they okay. just decided to put me on the contender series and uh, just look at me one more time before they make a big, bigger decision with me. Oh, okay, that's that's great. Yeah, though, man. yeah the series now they like found that middle ground because before it was just like straight to UFC. Now it's like okay, let's do some kind of middle ground to test them one more time to see how they deal under pressure, and then maybe we we'll sign them. So, if anybody wanted to get in contact with you, you know, like future sponsors or anything like that, like how would they get in touch with you? You got like a Facebook page or? I have a Facebook page. Um, um, and Instagram, okay. that's pretty much my big, big, two biggest things, Instagram and Facebook. Um, so they could just search for your name and you'll be there, right? Do you, you have a yeah. website set up or anything like that? Nope. One day I will. Um, yeah. Everybody says like you get on the Twitter. It's like I tried. It was complicated. I, was like, <laughs> I find Instagram complicated, believe it or not. Really? I find Twitter easier. Yeah, because you always got to put a picture. I just want to put a video up. You always have to put a picture and then put a hyperlink to the video or whatever. You can do videos too. Videos and the pictures just as easy. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm an old guy, man. I like things simpler. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah. Julius, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Um, if anybody's watching this video, don't forget there's some more leftover for this episode later on.
And don't forget to check him out on the UFC Contender Series. This guy's the new upcoming prospect. That's right. All right, guys. <laughs> well, we'll be back. All right. Thank you for having me. Yep. Hi, everyone. We're back on the show. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to two particular podcasts. One is called the One Five Podcast and the Darren Palmer Podcast, also known as Self Publish in 30 Days. They can both be found on iTunes. The One Five Cast is also found on Stitcher and Anchor. His, the link to his podcast is anchor.fm slash one five cast. Me and my daughter were both interviewed on their podcast this past week please check it out you'll learn a little bit about us and about our new books that we have out including my daughter's new book called a little bit louder which should be published hopefully within the next two months again check it out it's the one five cast podcast and darren palmer's podcast called self-published in 30 days again i will leave a link to these particular episodes in the description of this particular podcast episode Hey everyone, I just want to make another announcement that October 1st, Tuesday, October 1st, you can meet me, Mark the Shark Retorto, and my daughter at a local library located at 144 Woodfield Road in Washington Township, New Jersey. Uh, the zip code, if you try to add it into Google Maps, 07676. On Tuesday, October 1st, starting at 6.30 p.m., my daughter and I will be doing a book signing where you can, we'll be doing a meet and greet. You get to meet us and learn how we go about writing our books as well as autograph them. So come check it out. October 1st, Tuesday, October 1st, starting at 6.30 p.m. till it closes. Again, we'll be at 144 Woodfield Road in the township of Washington, New Jersey. The zip code is 076, 07676, sorry. Check it out. Hopefully we see you there. Are you a fan of the Mark the Shark MMA show? Are you looking for some swag? Check us out on the web at www.marktheshark.mmashow.com where we sell t-shirts, hoodies, crop tops, hats, beanie hats, anything you want. Check it out. Are you also looking to become a guest on the show and be interviewed by me, Mark the Shark Retorto? Well, go to the website and sign up as a guest. Are you looking to become a sponsor? Go to the website, sign up, take advantage of the wild range growth of the sport of MMA and be have your business and service advertised to millions of listeners that listen to this podcast every week worldwide from everywhere. Check it out www.marktheshark.mmashow.com Are you looking for your next action thriller novel? Check out The Cabal. The saga begins. You can find it on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com or www.retortofamilybooks.com That's R-I-T-O-R-T-L familybooks.com again check out the next great 
action thriller suspense book called The Cabal. The saga begins. Hi, this is Mark the Shark Retorto. This is a message to all the parents out there. Are you looking for an inspirational book for your child to read? Well, check out a book written by a child, an 11-year-old little girl by the name of Christina Retorto. She has two books. One is called Invisible Girl, and one is called I Am a Survivor. Both inspirational books written by a child for a child. You can find them at Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com, as well as her website, www.RetortoFamilyBooks.com. Again, that's R-I-T-O-R-T-L. Hey fans, here at Podcast City Network, we have a lot of great shows on all of our great social media outlets. PodcastCity.net. Facebook.com slash Podcast City Network. Hit that thumbs up. You can send a tweet to Podcast City Network on Twitter at Podcast City Net. Only on Podcast City Network. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to www.audibletrial.com slash MMA show and browse the unmasked selection of audio programs. Download a trial for free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com slash MMA show. Why Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original shows, news, comedy and more from our leading audiobook publishers broadcasters and entertainers and if you need a book suggestion i have two one is called i am a survivor by christina retorto and the other one is written by me mark retorto called the cabal the saga begins guys this is mark the shark retorto letting you know that you can visit my website www.markthesharkmmashow.com you can get our podcast episodes on there and you can also shop the swag get your hoodies get your t-shirts get your hats it's all on there for both men and women we do not discriminate go out there and check it out www.markthesharkmmashow.com All right, guys, we're back to the show. This is Mark. And to all the listeners out there, we'd appreciate it if you uh, make a small contribution to keep the uh, podcast going. All you have to do is go to anchor.fm mark the sh- slash mark the shark MMA show and click on the support this podcast button. And it's Mark with a C and not a K. Again, it's anchor.fm slash mark the shark MMA show. Moments podcast, and you're listening to Mark the Shark MMA show. All right, guys, we're at the end of our show. This is Mark Retorto. I'm signing off. 
don't forget to follow us on our Facebook page. It's called The Mark the Shark MMA Show. And it's Mark with a C, not a K. And also, feel free to leave us messages by using the Anchor app. And also, don't forget, if you look in the mood for a good action thriller book, to buy my book called The Cabal, The Saga Begins. It's available on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. And if you need a good book for your kid, get the I Am Survivor book or Invisible Girl book written by my daughter, Christina Retorto, also available on Barnes and Noble and Amazon.com. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed the show and continue to listen to our shows every week. Thank you.